We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you some new people in my life, Tony and Leanne Argyle, who are calling in all the way from the Gold Coast. They are the founders and hosts of Travatical Podcast and, and Magazine. Welcome, Tony and Leanne. Thank you. Nice to be oh, here. Nice to meet you, Heidi. It's such a treat to have new people in my life. I, you know, I, I have fun that, you know, because of all my travels, it's always easy to reach into my contact pocket and find all and reconnect with people. But I always love one of my favorite things about travel is meeting new people and meeting new people who have had interesting adventures. And you are definitely in that bucket. So can you tell us a little bit of background about what is Travatical and how did you guys end up? I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I forgot to ask you. But sort of what is that? And how did you end up working in that space? No, we have pronounced it right. Um, just just to clarify to where we are, you say Gold Coast. For American listeners, it's not Gold Coast, Florida. I think you have a Gold Coast in Florida, don't you? We're actually Gold Coast in Australia. So hence why we talk with these funny accents, we're actually New Zealanders originally. So our background, I was an accountant initially and Leanne worked in newspaper advertising. And I guess like most people, we were chasing the uh, the golden ring for many years, working long hours. We had our own businesses at one point. And uh, we thought that was the main purpose in life to get ahead. And um, I think probably the turning point for us at, at one stage was I used to write down a list of things that I always wanted to do, you know, when I was fantastically wealthy. And most of the things on the list involved travel, which is what I thought I needed a lot of money in order to achieve. And one day, it must have been, what, six, seven years ago, mm, um, something like that. Yeah. we were, Leanne's a big Facebooker, and she noticed a post on there from <clears throat> somebody from back in our hometown, and uh, they were talking about how they were living in Thailand for $1,000 a month, and I thought, that can't be right, travel is expensive, how can you be doing this? And then they were talking about other stories of other travels they'd been doing, and it kind of got us curious, and we thought, well, that, that goes against the whole grain of what we understood travel was about, you have to spend a lot of money, and Travel's always dear. It doesn't matter where you go. It's expensive. And we kind of delved into the space. and We found out what this guy was doing, and we discovered there was a whole world out there of other people who were doing the same thing, traveling around the planet, but doing it for very little cost. And the more we explored, the more we began to realize that the lifestyle we wanted wasn't going to cost us as much as we thought and was going to give us a lot more time back. And I guess from that curiosity, we started doing the podcast mainly as a way of interviewing people who were doing this uh, to find out how they did it and, and what to do. And that was really the beginning of what was originally called the expat chat. Um, and we've since rebranded it as Travatical. So mm. that's that's kind of the space. So we spent a few years learning about it and then waited till our own kids got off our hands. And pretty much as of last year, after a couple of experiments of trialling how we wanted to do it, we've gone full time. So And then coronavirus hit. So, you know, <laughs> full time's turned into a little bit of a suspended sentence at the moment, but never mind. Good time to gather your resources there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. What a great journey. And, and it's so true that there, you know, the world is so much more open to us than we perceive that it is. I mean, you think of travel as something that's exotic and luxurious, and it, you can have all of those things. But, you know, if you're doing it very conscientiously and you're, you know, you plan well, and sometimes you don't plan well, but things actually happen anyway. You can experience so many wonderful things around the globe. And I'm sure you learned a lot of that from the people that you interviewed. What are some of the stories that maybe stood out for you 
in that process? I think, well, I, I guess there's a lot that have been good, but I, I suppose one of the interesting things of all the people we did interview is how diverse. One recipe, we've interviewed families that have taken kids on the road and are homeschooling them. We've interviewed couples, solo travellers, um, male and female, particularly, um, you know, probably some of the most inspiring ones have been older women travelling on their own, which is, to many people's expectations, is, all, oh, you know, you can't do that, it's dangerous. Well, it's not. Most of them are having no issues at all. Um, regarding the situation. There's, there's actually a very large movement of solo women, young and old, but like we've made some extraordinary friends from doing the podcast. We've met up with people all over the world. We've interviewed and as you said in your introduction, you know, it, it's about meeting, it's about the people. It really and honestly is and you, that's how you find out about how a country operates or how a community operates. And being part of that, even if it's just for a short amount of time, it, it is the best part about it, hands hands down. It really is. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about travel is meeting people and learning about other cultures and just trying to sort of understand how the world works. And of course, there's beautiful landscapes and beautiful things to see and and smells and food and all of those wonderful things, wine and whatnot. But it's the people that you enjoy those with that are really the most profound memories often that we come home with. So you came into this from journalism but have you found that, and now you're doing sort of both the, the journalism side with the podcasting and with the magazine, how this is obviously sort of something that people aspire to and that creating something that's fully portable. Have you found that that transition of going from traditional journalism and, and marketing to coming in this space of sort of the digital nomad or the digital, the remote portability, you know, has that been an, an easy transition for you or what have been some of the challenges for you? Well, our background wasn't journalism. We we met at a newspaper, but I was actually the accountant there and Leanne worked in the marketing oh, okay. department. So we, we don't have a, a journalism background. But one thing we probably have noticed with a lot of the people who are doing travel blogs is that most of them don't have that background at all. Um, many of them have probably discovered they've got an ability to write that they didn't necessarily know they had previously. So I think that's probably one of those preconceptions that people have that, you know, oh, no one's going to want to listen to me or, or read what I write. But it's not true. I think if you've got a passion for what you're doing um, and you are able to put that in words, people will read it. Um, and there's some, you know, a lot of probably the most successful travel bloggers have had no background in, in doing that, um, that sort of thing at all. I think a lot of people um, start off, they just want to do it for their family and friends. They have this little thing that they put up and so they know where they are and they know what they've been doing. But I think a lot of it, of, of actual writing and, and starting to be discovered um, it's about feedback because sometimes, even although we meet all these people, sometimes you need that feedback that somebody is out there listening or reading or whatever and they respond to you. You feel like, oh, I'm doing something right or someone is actually reading what I'm writing or like with our magazine and that sort of stuff. We often get feedback from that and, you know, because it's it's quite an interactive magazine you know, it's not just a reading one. We've got videos and interviews and, and all videos, interviews and things like that in it. So, you know, but people, people, I think when they're doing the writing and they or, or whatever they're doing, they, when you get that feedback, it's, it means everything. 
because it's sometimes it's quite a lonely type of thing, you know, because not everybody gets it. Like family and friends sometimes are like, oh, that's great, but I wouldn't want to do that, and that's fine. Um, and then, you know, when you're starting doing these things, people think you're absolutely crazy that you're going to throw it all away. But I think what uh, we touched on it before about the diversity of the, what the people um, that are doing this, everybody's got their own version of it, which mm-hmm. is the bit I like. And um, that's why we ended up rebranding from the expat chat, which kind of means the whole hog, to travatical, which is a combination of travel and sabbatical. So it's not necessarily, it's about doing your own version of it. So you might just say, oh, I want to go for three months or, gee, do, do you think I could do three months and what would I do in that three months? And if I do three months, I might be able to do this year and next year and the next year, or I might do two months twice or whatever it is and I think particularly at the moment too I think people are really thinking about what they are doing with their life because it's kind of like a version of it's all been it can all be taken away from you so whether it's your health or whether it's a pandemic it can be taken away from you so the operative of you can you only live once it's really really prevalent at the moment so I think it's a really good opportunity and I think a lot of people have been doing it is re re-evaluating how they're living their life and it doesn't mean you go and do what we do whole hog whatever but there is just so much to see and so many people to meet I just think it would be terrible not to explore that even if it's a little bit <laughs> well as you say it might be it might be a three-month version a six-month version a 12-month version you know it's about it's about having a reset I guess and Travel isn't something that people are really thinking about right now due to all the uncertainty, but I think we're going to see once things get back more to normal, and and at some point they will, I think we'll see more people who will look at this sort of thing and go, you know what, I've got other priorities in my life now. This has made me realise that there are other priorities, and I can see that there are people who are doing this in different ways, shapes and form, and and there's a way that I can do this in a way that I want to do that will work for me. And it, it is that chance to really just hit the reset button on life, and you're never too old for it either. I mean, well, we talk. We talk mainly to people who are fifty plus, but you can do it at any stage. Well, absolutely, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Although the only thing I would disagree is I don't think we're ever going back to normal. There is that normal is gone, and what <laughs> you know. But I think that the good thing that's coming up with this sort of reprioritization, with this personal transformation, people are taking this opportunity to really see what is important to them. What you know, looking at that bucket list and why is it sitting on the shelf? What do we? You know, what are those things that I want to do? Who are the people that I want to connect with? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? And what kind of things do I want to introduce my children to? What kind of things do I want to introduce my partner to, myself to? And I think that that's an incredible opportunity when you see what the world has to offer and the fact that we can be portable in our careers or take time off in a sabbatical or or whatever it is. And I think that, you know, to find resources is probably the biggest challenge. I mean, now I think it's it's easier than it was, you know, 20 years ago, and certainly even 10 years ago, to find mm-hmm. resources for, you know, where do you stay when you're in some mm-hmm. random part of the world? I mean, just the fact that you have a mobile phone with you is a whole different way of traveling than it used to be. But having resources like Travatical that can sort of provide some guidance and some storylines that maybe can inspire 
what are some of the things that you find are the big questions people ask when they're sort of, okay, I'm aspiring nomad or an aspiring sabbatical seeker? What are some of the big questions that you find people come up with before they dive in? It's probably more of the the financial side yeah, of it. There would be the the biggest thing, of course, because they're wondering how they do that. And you know, like it's it's obviously different for everybody. So everybody has different things to bring to the table. So you know, you've kind of just got to work it out what you want to do first, what your ideal is, and then work it back from there. So mostly, and with your question, it's probably more the financial, how am I going to do this financially and not be on the bones of my bum? <laughs> really, that's a, that would be Having a, said that, though, I think there isn't enough people who ask that question. They make assumptions. They assume that travel is expensive when it's not. And even when you try and explain to people, you know, we, we travel the world on basically in US dollars, the equivalent of about $75 US a day. But even when you say that to people, you can see their face go blank. It's it's still not registering with them I think that, they, that's they, possible. Yeah, I think when you say that, they're visualising you living in a tent and lining up at the soup kitchen. No, that's not, and I, I, I you know, we, we live quite comfortably. We do a lot of house sitting, um, but then when I say a lot, it's, it would only be for probably three or four months of the year, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. In, in its entirety. But we travel slowly, and that's the key to it. If you're dashing around getting planes and then shifting from one place to another, that costs money every time you do it. And why would you want to do that when this, it's so much better just sitting and not racing around and actually just being and being present? and walking down to the corner shop and getting a croissant or meeting the neighbour for a coffee or whatever it is and being there. I'd rather be somewhere for a couple of weeks where you can just get the vibe of the place and really kind of settle in. It's much more rewarding, Mm. much more, and cheaper. you (laughs) You get the local experience as well. You know, you get to meet people. We've met some wonderful people on the road that if we were on a two week tour bus, wouldn't have happened. You know, at best, we might meet some people who are also from countries like ours who, you know, you may keep in touch with afterwards. But you're not meeting locals. We've met some wonderful local people in places that we've been because we've been able to slow down and enjoy it. And it sounds counterintuitive to say slow down. People think, but that's going to cost you more. But it's about your average daily cost. That's what matters. And when you consider the cost, you know, I often say to people, one of the downsides of, of living in a Western country is we have a very expensive cost of living. But one of the upsides of living in a Western country is we have a very expensive cost of living. So what that means is if you can keep earning your money in local currency, but travel to countries that are considerably cheaper, you're on the win. You know, Australia and New Zealand, where we're from, are two of the more expensive countries to be in. So as soon as we go somewhere else, we're immediately reducing our costs um, quite considerably in most cases. And if we go places that are more expensive, like we spend a lot of time in the United Kingdom, uh, we'll often house sit there, which makes a big difference. But for other countries we enjoy going to, like, you know, Greece, um, you know, we were in Bulgaria last year, Spain, those sorts of places, you know, your average daily cost is not expensive to live well, to eat out. You know, I have a beer or a coffee or whatever and, and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the win, you know. So when you spend a month in somewhere like Bulgaria, you're already up by the cost of what it would have cost you to spend a month in Oregon or, or Illinois or, you know, Ottawa or wherever it is that you come from originally. 
and you've got that saving as your starting point going forward. And when you do the maths on that, you suddenly realise, oh, I can see how this works now. I can see how this is possible. But most, pe- most a lot of people just think that's a fantasy. And it's so sad that they don't, they don't um, explore it a little bit further. And um, I'd really love to do that, but I've got X, Y, Z. So they've put the blocks in place, which I get, it's human nature, but if we can just inspire people like you are to just look at that block and say, well, is that real or is it in my head? Can I actually do something about it? You may be able to, you may not be able to, but I think the question needs to be asked because you re- it's not a dress rehearsal. You really and honestly just get one shot. So like even this moment in time, it's a little bit frustrating. You saw our view before. I'm sure you're feeling very sorry for us, but it's, you know, like we're a bit frustrated. But at the end of the day, it, it, we have to make the most of whatever this bit is giving us. We can't. We don't get this year and a half or whatever we're going to get back again. Just it, it's not that. So we have to make the most of what we're doing. Yeah. We the give you very long answers to one question, don't we? <laughs> Oh, no, that's quite fine, quite fine. No, and and I think you know it's it's interesting. In the, in several of the interviews that I've had over the last couple of weeks, it's really been about how do you be a tourist in your own space so that you can actually get that experience where you are locally when you're in you know in lockdown or in semi lockdown as things start to lift open a little bit. I do want to circle back a little bit into your own culture because as a you know having gone through it, at least when I was younger. I definitely remember in the early days, you know, mid 80s, uh, early 90s, always, you know, living in Europe, always running into Kiwis, always running into Aussies, like they, they get around they and and they're never there for and granted, it's a long flight. And this was pre cell phone. But they always seem to be on sort of a year long walkabout or some, you know, some kind of an experience like that. And so I wonder if you feel that that's maybe part of the culture of, you know, you come from this small island and Swedes the same way. I'm married to a Swede and you can go anywhere on this planet and you will run into Swedes. And it's the same thing with Aussies and with Kiwis. You seem to run into them, you know, they're small countries and they're everywhere. So they get out. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if you feel that that's part of the culture of where you come from or whether you think that's something that maybe is just sort of, oh, you come from a small place. I need to get out. <laughs> what is that? Well, it's probably, it's probably a bit of both. I mean, in New Zealand, we talk about the big OE, the big overseas experience, which mm. a lot of young people do when they finish, you know, university or high school, college, as you call it. Uh, in Australia, they call it the gap year, I think. Yeah, they call it the gap year. But it's, there is a culture of young people taking a year off and going to explore the world and explore themselves. But I think a lot of it comes because we are so remote down here, that we're so removed from everything, that we have that desire to get elsewhere Mm. and I think it's also relative to the size population you know the smaller your country the more likely you are to go elsewhere and the US you've got so much um, population and land mass that you know you can spend your whole lifetime in your state and never leave virtually There's, there's so much to see so your preoccupation is with looking elsewhere our news in New Zealand starts with about five minutes of what goes on in New Zealand and then we're on to the rest of the world because there's just not enough to talk about whereas in your case you know you guys can finish up fixating on what's going on in the rest because you've got more than enough news of your own about everything else happening. Mm, that's right. And also, if you actually look at the map, I, I see it, this is how I see it. I see it as kind of a funnel. So we've got 
the northern hemisphere and everything is coming down to the funnel at the bottom where Australia and New Zealand is. And I kind of liken us to the last bus stop. So there's no, (laughs) in New Zealand in particular. So we really are, it bounces. So it's like, like that. So I always say the only way is up for us. We can't go any further down. It gets a bit chilly if we go any further down. Mm. So that's kind of how we are an adventurous mob. Like we have the traction to the UK yeah. and Europe particularly because well, it's the homeland type of thing. So and culturally too, I mean, most of our television comes from the US and the UK. You know, mm-hmm. we get a lot of UK influence as well because, you know, most of us have, have come from a UK background originally. So that's a big influence. So, of course, you know, you grow up seeing the rest of the world constantly. You want to go and check it out for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the reason for it. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. On the other side, there's also, you know, you talk about this gap year or the OE, and what I'm seeing right now is this big wave of, I mean, I think we're same generation, you know, where it's Gen X, our kids are launching, you know, our parents are getting older, and we're like, wait a minute, I want to go see the world now. And so it's like, we're taking our sabbatical, or we're taking our gap years now, you know, it's sort of, you hit 50, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't care anymore. I'm going to go see the world. I'm going to do the things that I've always wanted to do, and no one's going to tell me not to. And I see a large momentum that seems to be happening, and maybe it's just the people that I'm surrounded by, but I find that there's sort of this global curiosity that wasn't there before of, I can, you know, the possibility of like, oh, I could go live somewhere else. I can go pick up and just go somewhere else and go be there for six months, three months, whatever is that comfort place, or go for a year. And I think that that's a really exciting change that seems to be getting more momentum. And I'm hoping that with, you know, coronavirus, that's sort of one thing that lingers afterwards, because people are realizing they can actually work remotely, they don't necessarily have to be tied to their physical location. Are you seeing any of that kind of momentum in the conversation from your community? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, like, I think it's gathering momentum probably in the last three or four years, even like there's this whole curiosity, like I'm 53. So like friends from school are watching what we're doing. They're finding it fascinating. We've got, you know, couples that are saying like, these friends of ours, they were like, we want to go on our OE now, which was like a couple of years ago. We've had our kids, you know, we've worked in our jobs for 25 years. We want to go and have our OE, which was like a two-month sabbatical, wasn't it? Mm. It was. So it's, I, I just love it when people give us feedback and they say we were listening to you and we just thought, you know, why can't we do that? We should be able to do that. And then they just find a way. And I'm a big believer, and it is, it's a scientific fact, that once you start looking at something and discovering it, it pops up all the time. It's because your brain's wired to look at it. It is just wired to look at it. It's called your reticular activating system. And it's a things. it's like buying a car, you know, and you're looking at a particular car, and then all of a sudden they're everywhere. You see them everywhere. So if you start listening to inspiring interviews and things like that, all of a sudden things become a lot more possible. So you, you're kind of in soaking yourself into the mode of doing it. 
I think what's happened lately too has made people realise that we are more vulnerable than we often think we are. You know, everyone thinks, oh, I'll wait till I'm retired and then I'll go and I'll do the cruise in the Mediterranean or I'll do the bus ride through Rome and all those things that people think that a lot of people don't make it mm-hmm. and they don't get through to there. Or if they do, they're not in a position to enjoy it as much as they would have liked due to health reasons. And we all know of people who, you know, our own ages who haven't made it through, mm-hmm. who, you know, had plans and their life didn't work out as they would have expected. And you see that and you think, well, we can't be sure we're going to be here forever. I mean, this has been a travel year lost for, for most people. And we're grateful for the fact we're of an age where hopefully, you know, it's it's not a year lost that we're we're not going to be able to make up for later. But I feel for people who are in their 70s or, or you know, have retired and they had plans for this year because there isn't that many more years ahead of you to be to mm. be doing it. And you shouldn't plan for a trip of a lifetime, I don't think. It should be a life of a lifetime. That's, I love that's that. what it should be. I love that. <laughs> a life of a quick time. A life, it's a life of a lifetime. Life like, of a lifetime. seriously, why would you just, like, it sounds terrible, and I just can't stand that saying, a trip of a lifetime. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, and what are you going to do next time? It'll be, an, oh. That's that's like, not, that means you're only then, doing one? <laughs> that's yeah, not, that's not good. Yeah. Like, oh, it makes a whole mental. It's like a mental block. I'm like, oh, it's crazy, crazy talk. <laughs> and, and and I guess the other thing with that is the disease of rushing around. And we used to do this. You know, you'd travel somewhere, and it was like, right, we've got three days in Italy, and then we'll have two more tick, in Switzerland. Tick, tick, and you're tick. not seeing, you're, you're not seeing no. anything. And no. the thing, what well, what we actually started doing is, um, we we started doing trabaticals. So just a couple to kind of see what it was like for our kids, what it was like for us, could we do this, that sort of thing. And when it was like 2018, we went for a month to Chiang Mai in Thailand to see if we could live for the same amount as what it cost us to sit on the couch at home. Which we were able to prove we could do, including flights, including accommodation, including everything. It cost us the same as if we'd stayed at home and bought the groceries and, and drove the car around town and did what we normally did. So wow. was we, we ate out every meal except breakfast because we just bought fresh fruit and yogurt for breakfast um, and had it at home. But every single meal we ate out and we still... It's the affordability of the Thailand. Affordability. Food, so. There's just no point in cooking at home because yeah. you have to buy all your condiments and oh, all the rest food of it. is so good. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> it's so it's good. better than you can do. Oh. And you know you're getting a beautifully cooked fresh meal for a dollar or two dollars. You know it's just it's just nothing. It's incredible. The biggest problem we actually found during a month here is what we're going to do with ourselves because we didn't need to clean the place. Somebody would clean it. We didn't have a garden to do. There was a gardener that was doing the garden of the the apartments. We didn't have to cook. We had a lady who did our laundry for a couple of dollars. We didn't need to go and buy groceries. So suddenly we had all this time on our hands. We it's had like, we had we worked it out because it got sort of ten days in, and we thought, well, this is really great, but. Now what? Like, we've had a bit of an explore. Like, what are we going to do now? And we actually worked out, between all of that stuff, we got about 18 hours of our week back. So it was like, hmm, okay. So that was an interesting exercise. So how are we going to fill it? And I would I would say, getting around to that subject, the biggest trap you can actually, it sounds a bit weird, I think one of the biggest traps that you can fall into if you're not watching is um, still having a purpose, a reason to get up and Mm -hmm. get going and doing something rather than it sounds, I don't know what it sounds like, just sounds like almost indulgent because what are you doing? You've got this amazing life, but you're still going to have a reason to get up in the morning. You're still going to have a 
something to do. Yeah. Um, I imagine that's, you know, when people retire and then they just drop dead because they haven't got a reason to get up in the morning. Their get up and goes got up and gone. And um, it's, yeah, you've got to be careful, I think, of that little trap of it. Have some structure. Yeah, the structure I think is really important. Also, just to be mindful of getting exercise, eating right. It's, you know, if you're living the life like it's on vacation all the time, it's very easy to overindulge and to not do the things that are important about self care. So, well, it becomes actually that whole on holiday. Like I always say, we obviously we're not, we're travelers, we're not tourists, but we also live on the road. We don't have you know what I mean like you we live on it rather than and and having some you know like having a reason to get up in the morning is just absolutely paramount of your existence that's a great piece of advice and I think one that a lot of people don't think about it's sort of oh just go and just try it and then and then it's sort of in a way they're almost let down they're sort of disappointed that you know Mm. or or you almost or you feel shamed that you're you know, you're ashamed of yourself because how can I possibly be not feeling happy when I'm living, I'm here in paradise? Exactly. That's almost, exactly right. Almost a feeling of guilt with it. But it, it's because you're slowing down, you know, because if you were if you were rushing around for a three-week tour around Europe, then obviously there's plenty to do. But some days you get up and you're not doing anything. You know, you might be staying in a place for, for 10 days or two weeks and your idea of excitement is to go down to the, the corner shop and speak in a bad, broken version or whatever their local language is and get a stick of bread and some cheese and, and go back, you know, and that's fulfilling in itself. But then what? What's next? And then the next morning the routine's there. So, And that's part of the appeal. That's part of enjoyment of the local experience that you can give yourself, but you also need something bigger to be working towards as well because not every day is going to be running around seeing sights. And the budget doesn't give you the freedom to do that anyway. You've got to balance things out. So. It's, yeah. it's part of the juggle. Yeah, it's, it is part of the juggle. And it's um, it's beer and Skittles, but it's not all beer and Skittles. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like a very first world problem to have, and it is. But. It really it is, yeah. yeah. Well, but, mm-hmm. but it is the reality for a lot of people that are in the global nomad space. And, I mean, some people, their purpose is they're, they're actually there for work with as an expat, where, you know, brought by their company, and they have a very clearly defined role. And other people have sort of, chosen to have the remote lifestyle, but they may not have established the routines properly to be able to, you know, to be able to be effective and productive. And you can kind of beat yourself up about that if you're not used to the routines. And so I think that purpose piece of, you know, there's something to get up to each day and to, to get done, and then you can go play or you can go sit on the beach and feel good about it because you've already yep. done something yeah. that day. So... Yeah, I, th- I think that's really good. Or have a goal of every day meet someone new when you're in a different place, because that's always, mm. you know, it, it's uh, always inspiring and, or learn something new, whether it's learn a language. What are yep. some of the things, I mean, you've obviously traveled a lot and moved around a lot, what, and you've given a few of the tips in terms of house sitting and doing things like that. But what are some of the hacks that you do in terms of making a life that's truly portable? Well, everyone's version is different, but part of, in terms of, I guess you'd say, controlling our costs is we travel with hand luggage only. And there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One is obviously the cost factor. If you're not checking in luggage, it's cheaper. Plus, they can't lose it. Plus, they can't damage it. Plus, you know, you get through an airport about half an hour quicker when you get off the plane too. But 
part of that is also a choice. I mean, we've kind of inadvertently become minimalists, I guess, without really intending to because of our lifestyle. And it's made us realize how little we actually need. We've basically got a backpack and that's it. And we don't want for anything. You probably want for some change of clothes more often than well, I. Well, yeah, yeah, probably, but. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to like we've got a few personal items in a in an attic in someone's house, and I went and swapped some clothes out and everything. And about three days after I did it, I was like, "Oh, I've got too much stuff. I can't cope. Like there's just so I've got another bag of stuff to go back into the roof." And yeah, it's I, I'm actually amazed because boy, I, in a previous life I was a shopper, <laughs> so it was it was uh, he slowly weaned me off. Well, it's, it's the good thing is though when you're on the road, it's like if you want to buy something, what are you going to get rid of? Because we can't cart more, so something's got to go, oh. and that's fine. You know, you buy a shirt, you chuck a shirt out. So, oh. but it makes you realise your priorities so differently. I mean, the experience of shopping is usually a five second buzz that that wears off very very quickly, mm. and then yeah. what? Yeah, you know, you you're left with nothing but an item that's probably overpriced, and you're quickly bored with and whatever less amount in your wallet that you had when you started. And we'd rather put our money into the experiences that matter. And for us, you know, our priorities obviously with travel are accommodation, transport and uh, and food. And that's where three quarters of our budget goes. But we don't really feel that we want for anything as a result of that. No. Not- what we mostly do, uh, to ca- and that sounds counterintuitive, but we actually rent cars. So um, if we we don't do it, well, we do it a fair bit of the time, but not all of the time. It depends where we are. But in the UK, we will rent a vehicle to go when we go and do the house sits. So um, we'll have a, a vehicle for five or six weeks. And what that does for us is obviously you can go out and explore the countryside around where you are. And actually, you know, that's why you're there is to go and, you know, and so we're not paying for accommodation, but we get to look after gorgeous animals um, and you get to get to know neighbours. We've had some amazing experiences with the neighbours. We know them better than the homeowners. So it's uh, it's really, really cool. Um, but having a car, you know, like that's part of our daily budget. It's kind of like our entertainment. Mm-hmm. So we'll go and we'll go to another village and then we'll go for a walk around that and have to discover that. And, you know, we don't feel like we've got to go and pay for an attraction. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we can go and look and then we, we generally have a look and see what's in the next village or wherever we're going. And we generally just walk around and discover it without having to go and pay £30 to get into something. I think, is my life going to change because of this? Yeah, probably not. So I can look at it from the outside and, you know, you've got to kind of be a bit ruthless. But mm. like we went to Windsor Castle last year and that was like one of the best things ever. Like mm. I cannot recommend it enough. It was, I'd been there before, only looked at the outside of it. And then this time we went in and it, it's just outstanding, really is. So So when you do do it, it's like, wow, yeah. this is really cool. But I don't feel like we're missing out otherwise, do we? No. I mean, we're quite people, person oriented. Is that bad grammar? We're people, people, people. People, <laughs> people. So yeah. we, we we enjoy the house setting for that experience. I mean, one of the questions we often ask when we take a house set is, and, you know, what's your neighbours like? Do you get on with them? Is there Because we want that community mm-hmm. when we're there. And we've had some wonderful experiences that we would never have had as a tourist in places because you meet the neighbours and they – they want to show you around and you get to go and do things, you know, that probably to them is not particularly exciting, but to us it is exciting. You know, yeah. we went to a 
a church roof fundraiser, you know, in the, in the next village over while we're there. And we're sitting there going, hey, isn't this great? And they're all looking going, well, it's not that exciting a Friday night, but it is to us. Yeah. Because we've been invited us. along and we're meeting the locals and we're in the in the church doing the tombola thing they do to fundraise or whatever it was. It was a church hall for fundraiser or something. Something it? it was, yeah. And then somebody invited yeah. us to ring the bells at the local church because they had a key for the door. So we got to pull the bells. And, and just those experiences you never get. As a tourist, yeah, and we know they're only one off, so whatever we do is all just one off, you can't replicate it. So yeah. it's yeah. it is a one time thing, and you just enjoy it for what it is. And uh, yeah, so all that side of it is really uh, it's just amazing. And like friends with all these people on Facebook, and we chat away, and you know, we know that we're welcome back. All, all our homeowners say, just come and see us, we'll, we'll stay with us for the night, you know. <laughs> There's a problem. So, yeah. What's really, the best really way for folks to find, um, if they want to go house it or, you know, find good matches? Are there certain services that you've used or or do you yep. do it through friends? or? There's quite a few kind of websites and stuff. The one we use is Trusted House Sitters, which is a UK-based one, but it's probably the most international one. So lo- loads of houses from everywhere. There's loads from the States and there and just there's heaps of them. And really recommend that you spend a good portion of the time sorting out your profile, ticking all the boxes, go and do some local, like even if it's just for your neighbour or a friend, go and look after their cat while they're away in a weekend, get some, get two or three references and away you go. It's, um, and they don't have to be a member, you can just do written ones um, that they can attach to the site. It's good they've got an app, whether on the Aussie House Sitters one here as well. So, you know, it's a lot more in tune with the Australian type of thing, room for your camper trailer type of thing. So um, they've most, got most that. Most countries will have their own platform sort of thing. But, you know, it's it's a little bit of a catch-22 getting started because, you know, you need references, but how do I get references if I can't get started? So if you mm. can do them for, you know, a few other people, you can load up independent references on the sites. And we found that at the start we weren't getting anywhere with jobs, but we've got to a point now where we've got a good reputation on there and people are actually approaching us mm. and we're getting invited to... Uh, the house that's we got to don't, basically don't um, talk about it. <laughs> we had an English country estate we were invited to do this year in England and oh, we're still awful. crying about it. <laughs> oh. we're, we're, we're saying, but next year, next year, and they're going, yeah, yeah, next year, next yeah, year. Okay. okay. We're like next year, and I'm like, please, oh, please, please oh, honestly, back. just think down Nabby. Oh, it was oh, like, nice. Yeah, like, oh. Wonderful. There's some wonderful places because if somebody says nobody who owns a hole wants anyone to house it, you know, you. You're generally talking about homeowners who have pets, who have nice houses, who want them looked after. So yeah. you're not uh, you're not generally housing a cardboard box in a paddock somewhere. It's generally mm. you know nice places. And uh, we've got uh, good friends that operate a um, house sitting lifestyle website, and I think that's what it's called, house sitting lifestyle. And they have their own magazine that runs, and it's outstanding resource. So um, yeah, it's amazing. Vanessa and Ian are just amazing. Have a fantastic community, yeah, really, really professional and approachable, and re- just really, really good stuff. So, I can't yeah. recommend them highly enough. Be good interview for you if you want, yeah, yeah, to yeah. yeah. No, I would love to meet them. So, mm. we're actually running out of time, and I want to make sure folks can find you and find your work and connect and follow some of the great interviews and stories that you guys are doing on your podcast. What's the best way for people to find you? Uh, well, probably best is uh, go to our website, travatical.com, which is T-R-A-V-A-T-I-C-A-L. So it's like travel and sabbatical together, if that helps people remember. Um, and the magazine's free, so you can just sign up for it on there. We'll keep you up to date with the interviews that we do. 
and uh, the, each issue of the magazine as it comes out. So we've got some back issues there people can, can read. Mm-hmm. So they're all free. Yeah. It, it's great because there's resources there from other people. We get quite a few other contributors. You know, Ian and Vanessa are one case in point. They'll often do articles about house sitting for people in the magazine. So Yeah, it's really good. So issue three has actually just gone out, and I must say it's my best issue yet. <laughs> but there's an interview on there, a video interview, and it is outstanding. If you want inspiration and just to know that you can do it, it's outstanding and you have to you absolutely have to listen to it it's amazing it sounds like the perfect reading for all of us right now who are doing a little bit of the you know couch traveling or couch surfing not couch surfing what is the word couch couch traveling is probably the best way to put it (laughs) at the moment yeah yeah virtual 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 travel i guess is the best way to describe it these days but hopefully it won't be too far out before we'll be able to actually do some real travel ourselves we're actually about to hop into a truck and drive across the U.S. to go help my mother move. So that's going to be our little internal travel for the summer. Right. Getting to do a little exploration and, and put on my travel hat. So get to go see Mount Rushmore, which I've never seen. So, oh, wow. That'd be awesome. That's on our list at some point, but yeah. who knows when. It's been, it's been one of those things. I'm like, one of those days I'm going to go see. So, yeah, well, this is going to be one of those days. Anyway, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show and so glad to finally meet you. Thank you, Global Nomads, for joining us today as well. It's been a pleasure sharing this time with you. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you really like today's show, we always appreciate a rating and review. And please let us know if you have, because we love to share the love back for you. It's been a pleasure today. Thank you so much, Tony and Leanne. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye for now.